Chapter Eleven of the Lost Parchment by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Carrington's advice. The details given by Rupert of the conversation which had taken place in the vicarage study shocked Dorinda profoundly. It was natural enough that her father, informed of an existing will which would give him an estate, should try and gain possession of it so as to secure what he believed to be his rights dorinda did not blame him for taking up so reasonable a position but she was horrified to think that he should accuse an innocent man of committing the crime it was wholly impossible that marlin could believe rupert to be guilty he had known the squire intimately for twenty-five and more years therefore he was well aware how strictly honorable rupert was in every way moreover hendel had always treated his cousin with consistent kindness having again and again given him sums of money large and small which had never been repaid even if rupert were guilty it was cowardly of mullen to threaten but seeing that rupert was innocent and dorinda was well assured in her own mind that her father knew him to be so the attack was cowardly in the extreme if the girl had little affection for her father before she had still less for him now what troubled her throughout the night was the question of speaking or of not speaking frankly to her father he had withheld from her the more serious portion of his interview with rupert and dorinda was strongly inclined not only to intimate that she knew about the accusation but to tell her father how strongly she disapproved of his conduct more than this she wished to state that she was on the side of her lover dorinda was straightforward herself and greatly desired that mullen should be straightforward also to bring such rectitude into being plain speaking was necessary yet the girl hesitated to broach the subject knowing only too well her father's temper his tricky nature and his unscrupulous greed but at breakfast her hesitation to make trouble was ended by mullen himself as he began to speak furiously the moment she laid her hand on the coffee-pot this is a nice thing dorinda he raged without returning her morning greeting you went out last night and did not return until after nine in fact it was nearer ten don't deny it you slipped out when i was busy in my study but i came to ask you something and found you had gone out what do you mean by such conduct dorinda lifted her eyebrows i am not aware that there is anything strange about my conduct i have been out late before i am quite capable of looking after myself i assure you father i don't think so retorted mullen bristling with anger and i don't like such underhand conduct i never behave in an underhand way returned dorinda her color rising and her eyes flashing you know that quite well you slipped out last night and slipped in without telling me there was no need to tell you 
there was don't contradict me if your conduct was not underhand why did you not come and say good-night to me in my study as usual because i could not said dorinda coldly and looking straight at her angry parent what rupert told me about you disgusted me too much rupert Mullen rose and pushed back his chair noisily you went to see that 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 scoundrel dorinda rose in her turn he is not a scoundrel he is i tell you and i forbid you to see him again as i am engaged to my cousin i shall see him when and where i please said the girl deliberately don't try me too far father or you will be sorry for it i am not in the best of tempers this morning you you minx gasped the angry man choking with rage how dare you address me in that way and how dare you accuse rupert of murdering mr lee she retorted boldly mullen's wrath suddenly died away and he dropped back into his chair with an uneasy look who says that i accuse rupert himself told me i saw him last night to hear what he had to say about this missing will and he told me what you did not tell me he's a mean hound to put my daughter against me shouted mullen please dorinda flung up her hand i am not deaf rupert did not wish to tell me i made him speak out as i saw that he was hiding something if you were as honorable and scrupulous as rupert father you would not need to get into these rages with me as i don't deserve them and it's no use your behaving in this way i can hold my own as you well know and i intend to do so we may as well understand one another i am your father you owe me respect how can i give you what you don't deserve you are my father and god help me that i should have such a one if you talk to me in this way snarled mullen blustering i shall turn you out of doors neck and crop what will you do then mary rupert rejoined the girl promptly a ruined man sneered the other he is not ruined yet he never may be ruined that will has yet to be found it has yet to be proved legal and you may be sure that rupert will take all the advantage he can to keep what he has i see you are fighting against your father i fight on the side of right if the property is yours rupert is willing to hand it over if it is his he has every right to keep it but you have no right cried dorinda striking the table passionately to accuse an innocent man of committing such a cowardly crime you are talking nonsense said mullen doggedly and folded his arms he is guilty he is not no one knows that better than you mullen cringed at that last sentence and his dark face grew strangely pale as he avoided his daughter's steady blue eyes i don't know why you should say that he muttered what else can i say when you have known rupert for so many years was the passionate reply has he ever behaved otherwise than honorable is he the man father 
to kill a weakling like poor mr lee for money which he cares very little about you know better mullen recovered his self-possession during his daughter's speech and shook his shoulders as he laughed harshly i know that the will stands between rupert and absolute poverty he retorted obstinately and if a man has to make a choice a man like rupert would choose poverty rather than crime interrupted dorinda imperiously what reason have you to believe that rupert would do such a wicked thing my knowledge of human nature oh is that all there was an expression of relief in dorinda's voice as she interrupted him again so your evidence is purely circumstantial yes admitted mullins sullenly and feeling that dorinda was too strong for him to deal with all the same a very powerful case can be built up against the fellow the will has disappeared in the nick of time and rupert had every reason to make it disappear you seem to forget that no one but mr lee has seen the will said dorinda crisply it may not exist it does exist stormed mullen violently and it leaves the property to me as the descendant of eunice filbert that is what mr lee said but he may have imagined the whole thing he was always a dreamer you know anyhow father i don't see much use in your threatening rupert with shadows i don't think that inspector lawson will think that they are shadows said mullen significantly don't you replied dorinda with a lightness which she was far from feeling well then i do before the police can arrest rupert they must first prove that the document for the sake of which the crime is supposed to have been committed is in existence then they will have to prove that rupert was at the vicarage on the night and at the time when mr lee was struck down i don't think it will be easy to do what you say i have no wish for rupert to be arrested said mullen restlessly all he has to do is give up the property and i'll hold my tongue there is nothing for you to hold your tongue about said dorinda sharply as what you say is purely theoretical as to the property you certainly shall not have it unless the will is found and the property is proved to be yours i am on rupert's side remember and i shall do my best to make him hold on to his own you go against your father oh she cried impatiently you said that before and i answered you yes i do go against my father and i have every reason to i am not going to countenance a robbery which would give you money you are better without better without demanded mullen indignantly what do you mean what i say said dorinda tartly rupert makes good use of his fortune in helping the poor and in keeping up the church you would only waste it in buying jewels for your own satisfaction i won't be spoken to like this it is your own fault that i am so frank if what i say doesn't please you i can easily go to london to see my old school mistress and ask her to get me a position as a nursery governess you wouldn't do that yes i would and you know that i would i should like to respect you and to love you father but i cannot your last action 
in threatening to denounce an innocent man widens the gulf between us if you dare to go to inspector lawson i shall go out as a governess until such time as rupert is ready to marry me now you know exactly what i mean mullen did know and was well aware that she would act precisely as she declared she would it was no use to storm and bluster and try to reduce her to tears as dorinda was not a tearful woman she knew how to hold her own and intended to hold it mullen having tried rage was reduced to attempting pathos which he did very badly my own daughter my own daughter he murmured sadly it's heartbreaking it's pretty uncomfortable i grant you answered dorinda with a queer smile for me as for you but as you have made the position entirely yourself i don't see what you have to complain of but now that we understand one another let us call a truce very good i will overlook your unfilial behavior and try to forget this conversation all the same cried mullen blazing up again i intend to get my rights certainly and if the will is found you shall have them this was cold comfort to mullen who doubted if the will ever would be found lee might have made a mistake and there might be no will in existence in which case by making an enemy of rupert he would be worse off than he was at present he thought that until the truth came to light it would be just as well to temporize and let things stand as they were therefore as an outward sign of reconciliation he dropped a cold kiss on his daughter's white brow and retreated to his study dorinda left alone in the little dining-room had no desire to eat any breakfast as the struggle to secure rupert's safety had exhausted her greatly she hastily drank a cup of coffee then wrote a note to her lover saying that he need not be afraid of the intervention of the police and relating in detail the conversation just ended having sent this by hand to the big house the girl went about her daily duties resolutely cheerful only by assuming a bold front could she combat the great trouble which threatened to overwhelm her and her lover when the worst came to the worst there would be time enough to think of further defense but dorinda believed that further defense would not be required rupert was very well satisfied when he received dorinda's note as he had winced at the idea of inspector lawson intervening he of course had been very certain that there was no chance of his being arrested owing to the fact that the will could not be proved to exist still lawson was ambitious of promotion and obstinate in his own opinion therefore if mullen had told his story there might have been a chance of scandal however dorinda having reduced her father to neutrality the only thing that remained to do was to find the will rupert intended to search again among the papers at the vicarage but could not do so until the afternoon as carrington had sent a wire saying he would be down by the midday express the squire intended to meet him at the station and talk to him on the way home 
since he was anxious to know what was the best way to deal with the treacherous mrs beatson knowing that she was a spy and an enemy rupert could hardly bear to see her about the house however he tolerated her presence until he heard what carrington had to say by this time all excitement had died out of the village as the crime had been so thoroughly discussed that there was no more to be said about the matter in their stolid bovine way the rustics accepted the positive fact that their late spiritual adviser was dead and buried accepted also the evident truth that the murderer would never be caught and punished this being the case they dismissed the past and looked eagerly forward to the future when the new incumbent would arrive it was reported that a vicar had already been appointed by the bishop and that he had a family and would make the vicarage a much more lively place than it had been in mr lee's time oh there was plenty to talk about and the hindle arms was filled with conversational yokels from morning until evening on the way to the station rupert stumbled across titus ark who grinned in a toothless manner touched his shabby hat and shuffled along in a manner surprisingly spry for a man of eighty-odd years of age hindle stopped to give him a sixpence for snuff to which the ancient was much addicted you miss mr lee titus he said pityingly for the old man was a lonely figure in the midst of the new generation har 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 croaked the aged sexton why should i miss him squire when he ain't dead why titus you buried him that is you helped to place the body in the family vault poor mr lee could not have been buried alive who said as he was alive squire i never did you say that he isn't dead no more he be then he must be alive no he baint har 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 crack that nut squirrel and the ancient shuffled along the dry dusty road chuckling to himself hindle shrugged his shoulders wondering if it would be necessary to lock up titus in a lunatic asylum he appeared to be quite crazy and talked in so confused and contradictory a manner that no meaning could be extracted from his speech evidently his brain was far gone in decay and although so far he had kept his legs he would shortly be bedridden ark's office as sexton was a sinecure as his grandson an active young fellow dug the graves and attended to funeral details the activities of titus were confined to appearing in the churchyard and telling what he knew about the deceased on the whole the old creature was harmless enough so rupert banished from his mind the idea of shutting him up satisfied that so long as his grandson looked after him he could be permitted to be at large ark's incomprehensible talk reminded hindle of wordsworth's poem we are seven no more than the child therein could titus understand what death meant and this was strange considering that he was an old and accomplished sexton however rupert had more important things with which to employ his mind than in thinking about the babble of the ancient he forgot all about ark when he came in sight of the station 
the more readily when he saw carrington on the lookout for him the train had arrived early and the barrister was waiting for his friend's arrival after greetings carrington linked his arm within that of his old school friend and they sauntered leisurely toward the big house that was a strange letter you wrote me hendel said carrington when the two settled into their stride i could scarcely believe it why not i wrote plainly enough oh yes but i never thought that my idea of risk to you would ever become an established fact so soon it's queer that mrs beetson should have listened on that particular night to that particular conversation well you see she got it into her head that i intended to dismiss her when i married dorinda and so kept her ears open to hear if i spoke to the vicar about my intention as a matter of fact i had no idea of turning her away then you had not but now she must go said rupert shortly i can't have a spy on my elbow have you said anything to her no she is quite in the dark as to her treachery having been discovered carrington thought for a few moments if mullen goes to the police she will then learn that you know how she has behaved mullen is not going to the police said rupert quietly but i thought you said in your letter that he had given you one week to yes yes interrupted the younger man i did say so and such was the case when i wrote but circumstances have changed since then thanks to dorinda miss mullen what has she to do with the matter a great deal last night she came over as her father had told her about the will i was forced to tell her that mullen threatened to accuse me of murder oh oh said carrington significantly so mullen did not tell her that no he was ashamed to i suppose as he is well aware that i am innocent but this morning he had a row with dorinda about her engagement to me and she stood up for me bless her what she said or what he said i don't know but dorinda sent over a note this morning saying that her father had changed his mind about speaking to lawson carrington heaved a sigh of relief that makes things easier anyhow we can take our own time to work out the case have you found the will no i haven't seen a sign of it i intend to look again this afternoon and you can assist me if you care to oh yes four hands are better than two and two searchers better than one hindle and if the will isn't found well i suppose things will remain as they are don't you make any mistake hindle replied the barrister shrewdly mullen won't stop until he gets that will i don't mind in fact i told him that he could help me look for it carrington frowned i hope i won't be brought into contact with him he's such a rude beast well after our quarrel of yesterday i don't think he'll put in an appearance said hindel consolingly anyhow whether he does or not matters little our business is to find the will and thus knock mullen's possible accusation on the head as you please what must be must be miss mullen is a charming girl but if marriage with her meant a father-in-law like that bore i should cry off ah you are not in love you see 
said Rupert calmly. Besides, when we are married, we will see very little of Mullen. I am bribing him with five hundred a year to make himself scarce. As he doesn't care a cent for his daughter, he will probably agree to clear out. Not before he has had a try to get the whole of your money, said Carrington dryly. The man is a shark and a sponge and a greedy animal. Why call him names, Carrington? He is Dorinda's father, after all, so it is best to leave him alone. He won't leave you alone, retorted the other. I wonder you can be so calm over the matter, Hindle. Rupert cast a side look of surprise at the flushed, dark face of his companion. I am quite innocent, so why shouldn't I be calm? Hmm, growled the barrister. Innocent men have been hanged before now. Well, this innocent man won't be hanged, Carrington. No one can prove that I was near the vicarage on that night. Probably not, but you had every motive to go there and get the will, seeing that it may render you a pauper. If I am to be a pauper, I must be a pauper, replied Rupert coolly. But I certainly would never attempt to save myself from poverty by murdering an old man who was my friend. Well, you see, people will talk as Mullen has talked, said the barrister with a shrug. You and I alone knew about the will. I was in town, so no one can say a word about me. But you, near at hand, and— What is the use of talking rubbish, interrupted Rupert sharply. I never was near the place on that night, and if people talk well, they must just talk, as I am perfectly innocent. Besides, you forget that Mullen knew about the will. Only after the murder, as Mrs. Beetson probably did not tell him beforehand. I don't suppose she did. Hmm. Rupert stopped and looked down at his neat brown boots and gaiters. Queer that I never thought of asking Mullen when she did tell him. I'll ask him next time we meet. Just now we can cross out Mullen as knowing, but Mrs. Beetson... Exactly, interrupted Carrington gravely. It occurs to me that she knows more about the matter than she chooses to say. But you don't mean to infer that she killed the vicar. Why not? She knew about the will and guessed that if she could get hold of it, she could make you squeal. At the risk of being accused of murdering Lee? Carrington nodded. Perhaps. But then she may think that you would hold your tongue about that if she gave you the will. Hendo walked on sharply. I don't believe a word of what you say, he cried, looking much worried. Mrs. Beetson has behaved treacherously, but I don't think for one moment that she would kill the vicar. Perhaps not, said Carrington soothingly. Well, then, let us say nothing to her but watch. If she is guilty, she is bound to betray herself. The main thing is not to let her suspect that you have found out her treachery. Hendel took off his cap and let the balmy air play on his hot head. It is very unpleasant he said in a vexed tone. Very, assented the barrister cordially. But for your own sake... Well, well, do what you like, Carrington. The case is in your hands. End of chapter 11